Hello and welcome to another episode of The Jasmine Tea, where we give you piping hot commentary on your favorite blackity black shows. I'm your host Jasmine and today my co-host is Mr. Derek DeAndre, founder and creator of the luxury candle company Home Candles. Say hello to the people. Hi people, how are y'all? <laughs> So tonight we'll be recapping Cole's episode four, um, and let's dive in. Let's start off with our what's been brewing moments, and that's just simply what Black Twitter has been talking about on Beyonce's internet when it pertains to Cole's. Number one, this week Billy Porter decided to share with the world his HIV status, and he let us know um, that he has been HIV positive for about 14 years now. And so one that really rocks me because I can only I can only imagine like the mindset he has to put himself in and just like the feeling, you know, like you're portraying this character and then you're also living in real life. To me, it just kind of like it kind of shook me like bravo, sir. Like we've already been talking about how much he deserves an Emmy, how great he's been doing this season. Like you can tell he's like acting his ass off, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But then to know that this is also his real life. It was just really touching for me. What about you? No, I mean, it, it was absolutely like, it just, it's like I take my head off to him, honestly, because, you know, to to have to portray something, and it's he, he's actually portraying like an extended version of like, or, you know, like a progression of HIV. Like he's, he's portraying somebody who actually has gotten into full-blown AIDS at this point. So, like to see him be able to take that on and like really share, like share it in such a way where it like really humanizes him and humanizes really everybody who has HIV or, you know, is, is affected by that. Like really put them into like out of the other box and back into like the box of humanity. I love seeing it. And I watched a, a interview of him and Tamron Hall talking about um, his status, and he he mentioned that basically him portraying Praytel is is an opportunity for him to heal, and it's 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 an opportunity for him to heal because for so long he has kind of suppressed and compartmentalized his you know like art, his passion, his career, yeah. and you know his stats and his character Praytel has brought him back into that and made him sit in what it actually means to be an HIV positive black man in this day and age and reflect on that. And I think it's allowed him the opportunity to really grow and do some personal healing. So I'm happy for him and I'm so happy to see the portrayal on TV. Like, and even the way that this like ending is going for him, like he's not a victim to it. He's like actually taking power in, in the situation and I love that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. Um, I think it's. I think it resonates with like such a big audience, and I feel like it's good for other people to be able to see themselves in this character. Like this season, you know, they kind of like deep dived into the characters and their backgrounds and their family upbringing, um, and it just paints the picture of like not everybody's story is so pretty. Not everybody's reality, you know, is is happy clouds and rainbows you know like some people go through stuff with their friends their family um so i'm happy that we get to see it portrayed in such a beautiful way like these actors basically are just acting they behind off like yeah it makes yeah. it feels very much real life um yeah. 
So our second piping hot, well, our second what's been brewing on is all the black aunties were in this episode. So we got to see like so many of the greats. It felt like a family reunion, um, like a cookout on my screen. Did you <laughs> of these shows? I know I grew up watching Sister Sister. I love Fresh. Yeah. I used to sneak and watch the Wayans Brothers at night because it came on after my bedtime. Um, yeah. What about you? Did you get to watch any of those? I watched all three of them. So like, <laughs> as soon as they popped up, you know, if you black, essentially, you know these women. Yeah. These women not only have been on our screens for umpteen number of years, but they're also like real women who we can relate to in our families. Like we all have a jacket. That's our plan. We all got, you know, um, I can't think of a name. Oh my gosh, forgive me. But we have all of those three women in our lives. Yep. And we got to see them on screen and getting to see them on screen now was like, it was it was really good. It was a nice movie. Yeah, we'll talk about them a little more, a little later. Um, our third piping hot moment was once again, the Pole soundtrack. To this episode, I feel like it was once again, just on point. Um, I feel like when they were playing Killing Me Softly during the church scene, it was like Killing Me Softly with his song, right after they had just finished singing. And then they still yeah. in the church, he's talking about Killing Me Softly, like, we know that Pray Tell and Bernie didn't end up being together, so you know that's like killing him. Um, even at the end, when they were playing, um, I can't sing, but you know I got to be free. You know, whatever the good version of that sounds like. Um, I thought that was very good too. So how, do, how are you liking the soundtrack? I mean, the, the soundtrack honestly sets the tone for the episode because without it, it's just, you know, it's just words, it's just dialogue. And of course the actors are amazing, but that underscore of music always takes it to another level. And I think that we've really started to see that as like, I mean, people have obviously known soundtracks are important for a long time, but in terms of like black shows, I, I, I can think of like um, Insecure as one of those shows that picks really, really good music and it's not just typical music, it's music that we relate to, but it may not be like way out there, but like they, they really understand the importance of music in telling the story. And I think Pose has definitely picked up on that in, this yeah. last, in these last few episodes. Yeah, the like inter interwebness of like all the art, you know, like music, fashion design, the acting, set design, yeah. all of that, it's just knit so quickly together. Um, yeah. I loved it, I loved it. All right, so now we'll get into our piping hot moments from the episode. And these are three things that really stood out, three moments that kind of helped push the episode along and gave it some definition. Um, so like I said, this episode was all about Pray Tell. Um, last week, we got to see a glimpse into Electra's life. This week, we're delving into Pray Tales. And so the first piping hot moment is when that Pray Tell finds out that he has cancer. Um, and the doctor also tells him that he only has about six months to live. He has lymphoma, um, which is like cancer of the blood. And he decides to like, well, first I want to stop and say, the doctor was what really pissed me off in that moment. The doctor was so very rude. Like yeah, yeah. he's cold, he was dry. He wasn't looking him in the face, Like he wasn't empathetic at all. He just like dished it out there like that. Really, really pissed me off. I thought that that was like, it was it was good to see that because not only did it show us how people were treated back then, you know, due to like the HIV crisis, but people are still treated like that to this day, especially people of color. 
So like the lack of empathy and just like the the the, the dry demeanor, almost like there's no help, there's no solution. <laughs> like just deal with your pain. That's something that's still prevalent today. So seeing it on screen, especially in like that particular moment where you're basically telling this man he's about to die. I know. Like, yeah. You know, it was it was heartbreaking, but unfortunately, it wasn't like something that I didn't expect. You know. Yeah. And then back then. They kind of just, with, with HIV and AIDS, they kind of just, like, the I don't think necessarily the goal was really people overcoming. Like, as a, as a whole, as a whole medical community, I think a lot of doctors were afraid of it. A lot of doctors were kind of just like, you know, washing their hands of it, especially because like, homosexuality, the LGBTQIA plus community was not as celebrated back then. So it's like, okay, it was almost like, that's what you get. Yeah. And that's kind of what the doctor was given in that moment. Like, Yeah, and hey. we see some of his aunties had that same energy. Well, one of his aunties had that same energy once he got back to the house. Uh, mm -hmm. So we see in that moment, once Praetel receives his diagnosis and he's there with Blanca, he's there with the nurse, um, I thought it was very big of him. He took the moment to say, I'm gonna use my limited time to tell some people that I love them and also to forgive. Now the forgiveness yeah. part stood out for me because baby, I can hold a grudge. I can hold a grudge something serious. Um, I've been working to become better at real forgiveness and letting go over the past few years. Um, but what about you? Have you ever had to forgive somebody that really hurt you or um, kind of come to grips with a situation that wasn't so, you know, didn't turn out maybe how you expected it to be? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think um, in, in life we all have had to forgive someone at some point you know whether the situation was big, was big or small mm -hmm. for me the forgiveness was not it, i think um the saying of forgiveness being for you really rang true in my situation because i didn't have the opportunity to actually speak to this person or you know have the conversation until years after the hurt had occurred so it's like all this time I have to move forward with my life. I have to progress. And if I'm holding on to the anger and the hurt, that's gonna keep me from doing that. So I had to work through that process myself and get to that point where I could actually forgive that person and, and move on. And when we had the conversation years later, I was like, okay, cool, I'm ready for this. I'm prepared because you know I'm I'm through it, you know. Yeah. I think that's big. You said like giving yourself the time to get to that point. Um, yeah. That's important too, because a lot of times when you have a situation happen, like you fall out with somebody or you argue or something, it's like people always, almost can kind of expect forgiveness to be instantaneous. Or like, mm -hmm. I might say like, oops, my bad. You know, it's like you should just forgive and forget, like pack up and move on. It's like, wait yeah. a minute, you know, I might need to think about this because forgiveness may not always mean reconciliation. Like, I, I was you, but I may not fool with you the same or fool with you at all, you know? And so yeah. those are two different things. And we got Pratel pursue both. Not only did he say, I'm gonna go back home and forgive some people, um, they also kind of talked through some relationships and got to some points of reconciliation. So I thought that was good to see as well. Um, yeah. yeah. You, you know, the thing also that, that rang or that stuck out to me was that a lot of people, when they are at that point in life where it's the end and 
that like forgiveness and letting things go is like for the most part it's top of mind for a lot of people and you know though i understand that i want it to be kind of a lesson honestly for us to be like it it shouldn't have to be the end for us to you know forgive like you don't want to be at that point where you know, you finally let it all out with this person and maybe y'all are on a path to reconciliation or at least understanding and you're about to be gone or they're about to be gone. And like, I mean, at least you're ending on a clear note, but I just don't want us to wait until the end to give flowers or forgive or whatever the situation is. Now, that's a very good point because I thought it was very heartbreaking um, a few episodes ago when Cubby died. And his mom came to the hospital and she was there with him. That was so sad to see because she was remorseful and she was saying, I'm sorry and apologizing. But like you're saying, it was basically too late. Like he was, yeah. at that point when she was there, he, Cubby couldn't even talk for real or Cubby yeah. can see. So you right, give people their flowers while they do and here is the time you have here because we never know. Anybody could be gone out of here tonight. So exactly. that's very true. Um, so we see, pray tell decides to go home search of some forgiveness and search of some reconciliation and so when he shares his diagnosis with his family initially we have his mom his aunt um let me see aunt latrice and aunt val um and so when his mom hears his diagnosis i think in true mother fashion she like gets up and cries and like you know walks away and then we see his aunt latrice but the person that stuck out to me was his aunt val um she was the one that was like the devout christian the bible toting you know i'm fit up pray it away and all that jazz. Um, so, let's see. So yeah, so this is kind of where they started to delve into the church. And as a preacher's kid, I was like, oh yes, y'all get up and do it. Um, because you see so much of that, I just saw so much of that reality just flowing throughout my life, you know? So once Pray Tell comes out and tells them that this is my diagnosis, I'm, you know, my time is winding up. Once Pratel shares his diagnosis with them, and you can tell from their, and you can see their reactions, um, how did that, how did you see influences of that in him? Like basically how we saw how Alexa's mom was trash, picked her out the house. So it was like, hmm, that makes sense as to why she's such a tough, tough bitch sometimes. Once we yeah. see like super churchy family here, how did that connect the dots for you as to the man we see that Pratel is today? Because I mean, he said it when he was telling them like, Basically, the, their reaction to him is why he felt the need to hide parts of himself. And a lot of times with gay kids, like they go down the path of learning how to hide who they are and hide what they do, and they never learn the proper way to take care of themselves. And that leads them almost like, it's like almost a gateway to, you know, possible um, sex work for survival. I'm not shaming sex work at all, but sex work for survival because they've been put out of the house, which then opens it up to possibly drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, all types of things because they have learned to hide who they are from their family and they don't get that support of learning how to properly take care of themselves or just the support of having a stable household for, you know, the, the time that they're supposed to have a stable household. So I, I think that their reaction is very typical. You know, you always have that aunt who's like, I have that aunt who's like, they know your teeth. 
before you, you know, really grow up. They, they, they already know. And when you finally say it, they're just like, you know, I love you anyway. And then you got that judgmental one who just like, like I can't really pay you. I can't put too much stock in, in your opinion because I know it's coming from something that ain't got nothing to do with me. And yeah. then you have the, the mom who is just so hurt and disappointed and like blaming herself when there's no there's no fault in him being who he is. The fault was in the breakdown of the relationship. But you know, a lot of mothers when when their children in general, not just being gay, but when their children do things that they don't agree with, they oh how did what did I do wrong? And I think that's Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um once he and his mom got the chance to talk, that's what she kinda said. Basically she she admitted like I chose the church over you because the church was basically like all I had. Like it was my community, my friends, my reputation, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it sounds like her husband had already left and gone. So she wanted to cling on to that as opposed to having nothing. Like she chose, I guess she chose herself and her, you know, reputation and things over herself. Um, yeah. We saw his aunt Val. She said something that I feel like I hear so often. She said, um, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. Like I love you, but I hate what you do. And to me, that don't you can't that don't click. That's <laughs> like a, that just that contradiction that don't work. If you love me, yeah. you gotta love all of me because I am who I am, right? Yeah. Um, so that, but that's something I feel like people say. I feel like they people use it as a scapegoat in the church. Like, yeah. oh no, because they don't want to say I don't love you. They don't want to be that because that would be a sin, right? We're supposed to love everybody. So I feel yeah. like that's a scapegoat that I hear all the time. Yeah, and it, it's really just like it, like you said, it completely contradicts this. Like the statement is contradictory in and of itself because if I, as a gay man, I know that this is not something that I chose, and I know that it's not something that I could ever. It's not like I could tear it apart. Take it off, you know. Okay. I can't take I can't take it off just like I can't take off being black. So you know, to to put it in in terms that may make more sense it's almost like a white person saying you know love you hate the skin yeah i can't change my skin mm -hmm. and you can't love me like without my skin mm -hmm. so for me you can't love me without i'm not saying you have to be gay or whatever but like you can't love me apart from that because it's gotta love all of me it's a part of who i am like and if you think if you think I'm sin, then we can't we can't rock, you know? We can't. Definitely not. Um, so piping hot moment number two is basically just an extension of this conversation. Um, because the episode brought out a lot of different um, dynamics, stereotypes, just brazen tactics of the church when it comes to the homosexual, when it comes to homosexual people, when it comes to gay people, when it comes to ill when it comes to transgender people. Like it just basically was pumping it out here because as you said you know a lot of these people particularly black people we love Jesus it's the church and I know us here in the south it's a church on every corner so a lot of kids are brought up just like pray tell raised in the church singing in the choir and it's often like I believe he said like it was his first place of harm um, but basically that was the, the church was the first people who were supposed to love him but they were also the first people who hurt him as well um, yeah. So we see his relationship with Vernon there, his friend at the time, Vernon. As a child, they grew up together. They obviously liked each other. They ended up kissing in the church in one scene, and we saw his Aunt Val over there, Holy Righteous Aunt Val, um, call him out. 
Now, I didn't know if I missed this beforehand. I didn't know his real name was Prayerful, but did I just miss that? They, they, like, when, um, when he first, when his mom first saw him, ah. uh, to get out of the taxi, she was like, Prayerful? Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. All right, well, so shocked me. His real name is Prayerful. I think that was, I thought that was nice. Now, especially now we're seeing him connected to the church. Because um, yeah. I thought Praetel, well, in the beginning, I thought it was a nickname. Um, but yeah, so all these things we see revealed in the church, he and Vernon um, were like childhood, I would say they were childhood lovers. They liked each other. But when Praetel returns, he now sees that Vernon is the pastor of this church. And he's also married to his female best friend in high school, Ebony. Um, and that just was like, like, what the hell? But yeah. in fashion, it was calling out the hypocrisy of people in the church. There are lots of gay people in the church, period. But instead of like, I don't know if it's fear or what. I, I assume some of it has to be fear. If you don't want to go against your family or if you feel like you're going to be cast out. But like, just stifled, I guess. Like, you can't, like we were just saying, you can't be who you, you can't be your true self. You can't express who you are. You really can't, you can't live your life if you're not being true to yourself. So you just kind of like stuffled in this little box of what you think you need to be in order yeah. to feel and, and co-mix and mingle with these people. So that was the first thing that kind of stood out to me, like Vernon living a whole life here with his whole wife and kids. Um, and then we also see later on, Miss Ebony, she admits, well, that'll be our next moment. So let's stay with here. Let's rock with Vernon for a second here. What'd you think about that weird little relationship? He even invited Praytail over for dinner. Would you have gone for dinner? I wouldn't have went. Okay. Would have gone? Okay. So let's, let's back up just a little bit. So first of all, it was shady even the way Aunt Val brought Praytail to church. Cause she'd be like, she was like, you'll never believe who the pastor is. Like, so she knew this and this is the person who you're leading the the choir under so you have this feeling about your leader your religious leader but as long as he keeps it to himself it's fine and i think that he is the manifestation burning being he is the manifestation of people feeling like they have to hide who they truly are in order to not lose their family lose their support system, lose the church, like you lose their reputation. And I think that a lot of gay people in that situation, they feel the need to over um, achieve in the religious sense, like almost be overly devout because they know they have this within them. So they have to do everything they can. You know, they have to be the, the, the perfect choir person or they have to know the word up and down they have like they just have to be that church person in order to like almost hide who they are like so don't say nothing to me because I'm, I'm, I'm you know I know and I'm doing do all this right over here and he has overachieved to the point where he's now the pastor and you know just like my man know his teeth just like Praetel know his teeth the whole church know his teeth his wife know his teeth so it's like it's okay as long as you hide what, who, who you truly are. As long as you don't act up. Well, not even act up, because people who act up. Yeah, I still believe Vernon acting on it. Even when he left when he left dinner and said he was going to be on some church member that was dying, I was like, he wanted to see his new thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Perfect opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, Vernon was a whole contradiction. He invited Prey over for dinner. You have gone to dinner. Um, would I have gone to dinner? No. Knowing myself, no, I wouldn't have gone to dinner. Because it was, it's, it's no, it's no point. Like, 
Well, first of all, you're married to my high school best friend. Like that in and of itself is weird. Like, yes. you know, it's it's a such thing that you don't fool with the person your, the, that your friend used to fool with. So that's trifling on his part and her part. And then, and you said we're gonna get into it, but the conversation that she and Percy had in the kitchen once burning left, I was just like, oh girl. So yeah. Sign up for this. Yeah. So you that's type moment number three. Um, Ebony basically flat out asked Pretel to give her some tips on pleasing Vernon. Um, she yeah. admits that basically after they had their kids, it was about a five year stint to where he didn't touch her. They didn't have sex at all. Um, yeah. And so now she's asking Pretel for tips, and he basically tell her like, "Girl, your husband gay. Like, what can? There's nothing you can do for him. So yeah, speak on that." Um. This, I don't know how this will be taken, but I think there are more women that we know or care to talk about, or, or that we, there are more women than we openly talk about who put themselves in that same situation. Yes, lots of women sign up to be beards. Sign up to be beards because, you know, I think that there's this, this thought process of, you know, he can change over time, or I can change him, or like, I, and I don't, I can't speak because I'm not a woman in that situation, so I don't know the exact motivation. But I think that it's like, there's something in you that's, that's like a little off if you think that you can change who a person is. Especially when you know who the person is. There are situations where the woman, women don't know. And, you know, that's a whole different situation. But there are more women who know than we actually say no. Yeah. I'll say it like that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. There are lots of women who sign up to be beers for security um, just because they feel like I can't get anybody, but I want somebody, I want kids, etc. Um, and in yep. Ebony's case, if you heard pray tell, he said like she used to be a cheerleader and homecoming queen, a prom queen. Like basically, she was really popular. She was hot in high school. Yeah. And yeah. I think that she just wanted to keep continue that like legacy. Like mm -hmm. afterwards, she wanted to be the pastor's wives because they're like up here. You know, they got yeah. they like up here. They got status. Their people look up to them. Um, it just looks well. It looks well on her behalf, right? Like I think she wanted to be with Vernon despite knowing how he really is, just for the fact that she could benefit off of it as well. So I think you're right, it does speak to her insecurity. Like, you don't feel good enough about yourself as an individual, who are you sis? We don't know nothing about you. Or who do you feel like you are outside of your roles as a wife and a mother? You know, who is Ebony? What she like to do? You got any hobbies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but she seems so bought into the life and the idea of I've got, I've got to be married. I'm going to be the doleful wife. And not even just that, but we're going to stick it out, work it out, in spite of how Vernon may be feeling on the inside about me. Like, that's not something he can just flip the switch off and be like, okay, well, I'm done with that. You know, in the name yeah. of... No, he not. <laughs> no. And she knew. I mean, she told Percy, I knew, mm -hmm. but I consciously made a decision mm -hmm. to move forward because I wanted a certain lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's what she said. And... You know, like you put yourself in the situation that you that you're in. Like you touched the you touched the iron. It was hot. You knew it was hot, and you kept touching. So you yeah. you, want, you want it third, fourth, fifth, whatever the highest degree of burn is. You want it. 
Like, yeah. so the fact that she had enough, like, gumption to ask Prezel, like, how do I please my man? And she's like, mm-hmm. first of all, we used to be, we used to be best friends. And you know I used to fool with him. And now you're gonna ask me how to please him? Mm-hmm. What kind of, what? Make it make, the math ain't mathing on It didn't make no sense. It didn't make no sense. I thought it was inconsiderate. Like, maybe they had talked about it beforehand or something, but she didn't even ask Praytel how he was doing. She didn't even check in on him. How is life, you know? Um, I don't know. We didn't see, I don't know. I don't think he shared his diagnosis with them. I, I didn't see that moment, maybe. Did he? Not with her. Yeah, I don't, yes, not with her. He did tell Vernon in the park. Um, but, like, I just feel like she wasn't even being a friend, really. Like, that was just really detached to me. Um, but yeah. then we also see Vernon. He asked Praytel to take a walk in the park. And I feel like, you know, that was like Netflix and chill hours if they had it back then. That was the version of Netflix and chill. So they took a nice little walk in the park and reminisced down memory lane. Um, and in true, I feel like just play a fashion. Vernon comes up and sells the dream that, oh, now I want to be with you. Now I want to go. I should have left with you in the first place. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I didn't think he was going to go. And we see in the end, he didn't. Like he. Praytel told him I'm leaving on Sunday, the bus leaves at five, and Vernon was nowhere to be found. Um, we, we all knew what time the bus left. Yeah. And as soon as he said, I'll be there, I said, yeah. <laughs> I, said, the, I said, the preacher ain't gonna show up. And Praytel, you best not wait on me. Yeah. Because you're gonna miss your bus waiting on that man. Yeah. I was surprised Prey was even going along with it. Like, I was surprised he went to dinner. I was surprised he yeah. went to art. Like, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, one, I do think he still cared about Vernon. Like, I do think yeah. they still, they they obviously still had some type of connection. So maybe that was it. Yeah. I don't think Prey really. I think he was just like, if you hear, you hear. Yeah. If not, I'm still going back to the yeah. Like, I don't think he was bought into it, but I think he was just like, okay. I, he was basically like, I can to hang yourself because you know you know the information and if you choose not to use it then that's on yeah you know yeah i don't think the pastor really wanted to give up his hype his status his energy he didn't want to step off the pedestal that he had been on for real and i just he he just he just wanted to kind of live out that fantasy for a moment he didn't he didn't really want to blow up his life Yep. and be be honest and truthful. He just wanted to live that fantasy form. Really. It's like he had been holding his breath for all of these years. And now here's finally the person who he can let it go with. And he did that. He got it out of his system. So I guess he can go back to doing whatever he do in private or secret or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, live his, his, his life as the preacher. Yeah. I mean, his kids were at the table like, reciting Bible verses and all of that. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's going nowhere. Like, Ebony, Ebony don't look like she got a job. I don't think he would have left them like that. He will be one of those super old men who finally come out when it's like almost no point, you know, and you know, the kids are grown. And like, uh, have you ever seen Grace and Frankie? Yes! Oh, yes! I love Grace and Frankie. I, I love that at first. They were they were super old, and they had been dating. Oh my goodness! For a minute, yeah, yeah. But that will be him. 
you know, finally coming out at 70 something and living his, his, his true life. Or he could just, you know, take it all the way to the grave and just do it in secret. But most of the time there's breakdown at the at the end when, when the people are old and, you know, like the woman is just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. You know, I just gave you my bitchy. Yeah. But, you know, she has stated that it was a choice and a lot of women. For, for more women than we talk about, it's a choice. Yeah, that's just, man, that's just gotta be such a sucky life, you know? Yeah. Both of y'all in this relationship, you have this thing that so many people idolize just by being together. But you're miserable. You're miserable as hell. Like, clearly, Ebony Horny, she asking how to get him in bed with her so she wants some bitch. She wants somebody to get her to business. Clearly, Vernon does as well, but you don't want each other. You know, and poor kids. You got these kids stuck here in the middle. You, you, teach, you teaching the kids how to lie? Yeah, they deserve. Some, they deserve some clarity. I feel like sometimes people don't give kids um, enough like potential credit. Yeah, to like understand the situations. Like, oh, I'm not gonna tell them. They don't need to know that. Actually, they probably already peeped with something not right here because they're humans. They have senses, so they can tell if y'all not flowing or really clicking um and like you said they know you lying they may not know what the specific thing is but they know something ain't right yeah i mean they, they they'll grow up knowing well yeah we never saw mom and dad mm-hmm. kiss and yeah. hug. we never saw them be affectionate towards each other it was always tension like they just grow up learning how to like um you know like, um function in dysfunction mm-hmm. is what they learn how to do. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine how it would make them hard to be able to like learn how to show love, learn how to eat when they grow up, when they get out and find people they care about and things, when they get a boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, you know, I wonder how it affects them and their ability to be affectionate since they didn't really see that or, you know, see true love model in the yeah. house, even just around, even if it's not your mom or husband or your daddy, husband, or whatever, like even a girlfriend, a boyfriend or something, just, you know, mm-hmm. they missing out on all of that. Okay, so that is going to wrap up the meat of our show. And now we're going to get into a few games and guesses. Okay, so since this episode has been so heavily church themed and we have you here and your lovely skills, I'm going to ask you to tell me which of these fashion trends do you think could be worn by the saints and the angels? Okay, we're on the cusp of hot girl summer right now. Heard that the saved girls are trying to have a saved girl summer. So let's see if their wardrobes can overlap. So number one, crop tops. You know, got your little belly out. Some of them are spaghetti straps. Some of them are a little more revealing than others. Who do you think? Can the saints wear a crop top? We know the ain't probably be wearing crop tops. <laughs> but what do you think? Um, You know, these days... I think that the Saints can wear crop tops. Okay. Um, because the defi- I think the definition of, of, of Saints and all of that has morphed a little bit. You know. Thank you. I think it is, <laughs> it's more it's more reality. Yeah. Because you know, the the same people who are religious and in the church these days, who um, still have the are able to express the duality of being able to wear a crop top. They're the same ones who would have just been too ashamed to do it back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's just a different time. So I think I think the Saints can wear a crop top. All right, Nick, we got these TikTok legs. 
Now, they're leggings with little, I don't know if they look like octagons or what, but they make your booty. If you ain't got no booty, it give you one. If you got a booty, it's looking extra luscious, okay? Just wonderful. Bounce the coin off that thing. Booty yeah. is rocking them the most. The Saints, are the, are, the, are the Saints tipping over there into them? Is it the Aints got it on lock? Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely more of an ain't uh, <laughs> out, you know, because I think people, they get them because they want the attention. Like, they want to, like, you know, show off something or create an illusion. They definitely give you curve. You know, I, th I think it's more of an ain't thing. Okay. Next up, we have mini skirts. Now, I remember, like I said, as a preacher's kid, my mom used to buy me them super long blue jean skirts to wear the revival and everything else, and I hated it. Um, so yeah, how are you feeling about the mini skirts? It depends on how many it is, really. Um, like you, I think the, the measuring, the, the ruler stick at the knee is not necessarily <laughs> a thing these days. Yeah. So I think as long as it's you know covering most of what you got, it's it's appropriate vibe. It's cool. It'd be hot out here. Last, yeah. we have the biker short set. So you know they're mostly made of spandex or just curved flattering materials, bright colors. I'm out here popping. Who you think rocking? I think anybody can rock. Really, you know, I, different things. Um, yeah, I think it just depends on how you wear it. You know. A biker short set is just a comfortable thing you can wear on the weekend. They are people, you know, just throw it on the go. I think anybody can wear that. They are really comfortable. And they come in so many cute little colors. And yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. now for our gift. So we saw at the end of the episode where his where praise Aunt Latrice came and told him like, hey, I want to be your power of attorney to make sure like everything's handled how you want it to be handled to the best of your wishes. So clearly she's going to be there at the end. Do you think Prey's going to get a chance to see his mom again um, by the end of the series? I hope, I don't know, he, they'll probably, he'll probably pass away on the show, I'm guessing, if they take him through all of this. So you think he's going to see her again? I think so. I think him and his mom ended uh, the episode on a, a good note. Um, I think they understand one another and I think if he if he truly lets his aunt Latrice be his power of attorney, like she will keep the mom informed and be like, girl, come on up here. Cause you know she was the one who went and checked on her. Like, let me go check on her, make sure she ain't having a heart attack or something. So I think she'd be like, girl, you better come up here. Yeah. Your son, you know, you need to come see your son. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, secondly, at the very end of the episode, once Prey got back to New York, he's having dinner at Blanca's house. There was this conversation going on about cheating. And Angel was telling Poppy, if you ever cheat on me, I'm going to burn mm -hmm. all your stuff up. I'm going to burn your house down with essential oil so you can smell, you know, like, remember me. Um, and that was one, an ode to Lisa Lefai Lopez, RIP to the Queen. Um, so, but it made me think, because, you know, in the previous, some previous episodes, when Angel's been on this crack here, Poppy told her, like, hey, I ain't going to marry you like this. <laughs> Not on this crack. I mean, she had her and, her and, um, Lulu, her and Lulu just been bored, you know, passing yeah. time. Um, but Poppy let her know I ain't gonna marry you like this. And we saw her say she was going to get some kill. Um, so do you think Poppy would cheat or gonna cheat on Angel? Since they brought it up, is that like a premonition? Um, I like Poppy and I wanna believe in in him because throughout this this their relationship, he has not demonstrated that he would cheat on her. Like he hasn't, unless they are 
show, like not showing us something and they gonna give us new information in this coming episode that he been cheating all this time. He's, he's shown himself to be like a good and faithful man and really loves her. And so it would be, again, it will be new information for him to be a cheater at this point. I think her drug use and her insecurity and paranoia are kicking in. And you know, um, Keisha Cole said, I, I should have cheated. You know, sometimes <laughs> a person a person can treat you so crazy they make make you feel like damn I should have just did it you know you was accusing me of it this whole time so I think if it comes down to it not that you can make a person cheat but I think that that may if he does cheat that may have fed his decision to do you know yeah I hear that okay but I don't think Papa cheat I don't think so either he loved him some angels. And he, he loves. And I would like suppose to give us like a happy little ending with them. They've been like our ride or die couple through this thing. Yeah. They yeah. Little, little white man. Um, okay, lastly, so I know you already said that Vernon will probably be the old man who comes out later in life when it's basically too old. Well, when it's basically too late. But do you think he would actually do it? Do you think he would come on out and leave Ebony or are they just gonna be miserable till the end together? I, I really think that he will, like, later in life, for real. When it's to a point where he just can't hold it in no more, especially with the time period. Like, it was so not accepted at that time. But as we evolve, mm -hmm. things have become more accepted. And so it's easier to come out and live your life openly and happily these days. So I can definitely see him being an older person walking around here today and, you know, just trying to dip his toe into the life, you know, and find, maybe find somebody to be happy with. I don't know. What do you think Angel would be, not Angel, Ebony would be doing on the flip side? Like, okay, Vernon's gone. How do you think she kind of, where would she land? I think that, I think that depending on their age, maybe, I think she could get back out there because she's, he was I mean, he, in the episode, she's a vibrant woman, and I don't think that she would necessarily lose that. And I think that if she got to a point where she really accepted that this is something that's not gonna change, she would, because women leave the relationship long before they actually leave the relationship. But I think that like, you know, when it finally does happen, I think she would dip her toe back out there and find somebody that like, will make love to her all night and she won't have to mm -hmm. figure out how to please that person, you know? Agreed, agreed. All right, so that is going to wrap up this episode of The Jasmine Tea. Thank you so much, Derek, for being my co-host tonight and sharing all of your thoughts and viewpoints. I loved it. Um, you were very, like, like calm and just well-spoken and clinging. Like, yeah, loving it. Um, so, guys, make sure you follow Derek on Instagram. His name is popping up across the screen. Um, and go and get yourself a home luxury candle. Treat yourself out here as we're living this stressful black life sometimes. Um, make sure you send all your questions, comments, and observations to TPC at gmail.com. And I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.